Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 11 of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Weber. Um, We're closing out 2019 and looking forward to 2020. Um, We should be maybe thinking about resolutions, umpiring and officiating resolutions. What are you going to be committed to this next season to make yourself better? That's really what we should be looking at. Are you going to be making a resolution that you're going to be studying your rule book more? Are you going to make a resolution that you're going to um, be better and learn your mechanics uh, more intently? Are you going to make a resolution that uh, you're going to take care of business, um, you know, getting to assignments um, in a more timely manner or working more games or getting in better shape? There's lots of different resolutions we can have. But I challenge you to, to try to pick two or three, two or three resolutions that uh, you can really focus on for 2020. I know I'm always talking about goals and stuff. I believe it's really important, as you might suspect here, because I'm talking about it all the time, that there's things that you're trying to accomplish. Last episode, we talked about like a five-year plan. But uh, you can talk about, you know, what or think about and maybe write down what you're thinking you're going to do for 2020. And we can call them New Year's resolutions, right? So, I mean, I, I know for sure one of my resolutions is to learn three-man mechanics better. I mean, I've gone to camps the last several years. I'm going to get an opportunity to work some, hopefully, weather permitting, uh, this year. And uh, I want to make sure that I'm uh, seriously improving those things. Uh, and I also, as I've mentioned before, I'm making a resolution to make sure that I'm doing my pause, read, react on fly balls, whether I'm working first base third base, whatever, second base, um, and making sure that I'm doing that better than I have in the past. I'm going to make a concerted effort to do that and to uh, try to work on that every game that I can. So those are a couple things I have. Um, Always timing too. Timing is always something that everybody has to work on, and I know I have to work on it. So those, that's another thing, a third thing. So those are three things off the top of my head. I might change my mind. I got a little bit of time here before the uh, calendar flips over. Uh, But I challenge you to do that as well. Anyway, we we have a pretty good episode uh, here. It's a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit shorter, but it's right near the the end of the holiday season. So, um, you know, I'm putting together something here just for you to to have right here as a New Year switches. So we're going to talk about um, how do you how do you gain respect, um, earn respect um, as you move from one level to another. I got a little segment on that. I also have a segment on umpire insurance. Are you insured when you're working games? Um, if somebody were to sue you or some other catastrophic thing were to happen. So have a little segment on that. Um, appearance. You know, does how important is your your appearance now? I mean, times are always changing, so people have different views on things, and maybe they did 20 years ago or 50 years ago or something. But I have a little segment on that. And uh I'm, I've got an umpire spotlight segment. I've done the 10 Hall of Fame umpires, uh, but uh, we're going to be moving into some some non-Hall of Fame umpires. But one I think will eventually be in the Hall of Fame, Joe West, will be my umpire spotlight for this particular episode to close out this year. I think this will be um, maybe my final episode um, for season one. That's what I have listed um, on all the uh, podcast um platforms. I think as I start the new year in 2020, we'll call it season two for what it's worth. I think it's good, 
good time to switch it over. So, you know, a short season one, I guess, because I kind of got started on this a little bit later in the year, but I think that's the way we'll go with that. So, hey, if you're listening in your car on the way to work or something like that, I appreciate it. Make sure that uh, speakers are working well there. You got it turned up a little bit. Maybe my volume's not as loud as the radio station or something. If you're working out or you're walking or you got earbuds in, make sure those are working well too. And hopefully I'm sounding pretty good to you. All right. So sit back and uh, let's get going on another episode of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. Let's talk about respect and uh, earning respect as an official, especially if you're um, moving up from uh, one level to a little bit higher level and you might be dealing with coaches that, uh, you know, haven't seen you before and um, they have no idea what you've accomplished or not accomplished. And um, to you, you're just a fresh face that maybe isn't very good um, as far as they're concerned. So um, what kind of things can you do, well, at any level that you're working, a high level, a low level, anything in between, that will help you to um, earn some respect um, without trying to be a braggart and um, you know carry your resume around and tell everybody what you did or something like that. So maybe the first thing um, is just being calm, you know, showing a calmness um, while you are on the baseball field. Um, and the way to do that is if there is a question about something or a coach approaches you, uh, that you're, you're a good listener. You're, you're, you're honestly listening to what they have to say and, um, trying to understand what their concern is and resolve the situation the best that you can and, and not take offense to things. And, uh, become not calm, you know, more agitated or, um, you know, doing other types of things, angry, whatever you might want to say, but something that's not calm, um, that will definitely not earn you respect if that's what you're doing when you're trying to handle a situation. That um, directly relates to our next thing that you need to do to earn respect, and that's approachability. Um, By being a good listener and being calm, then you are approachable Somebody feels like they can come and, um, you know, honestly ask you a situation, you know, a question about a situation and you're going to handle it uh, in an approachable kind of way. Um, Yeah, I know there's sometimes when coaches are coming out all hot under the collar and everything, but that's that's the biggest time that you need to be calmer and uh, in control of a situation. Um, That's tough to do sometimes. Um, That's why... You don't, you can't really be moving too quickly to from one level to another until you're able to handle those kind of situations at a lower level before you move to a higher level where things are a little bit more intense. Um, and maybe the game action is obviously more intense and, and at a higher level, but also the coaches too. Because the higher you go, the more likely a coach might be, um, you know, like a full-time job is, is coaching. This is their livelihood. And if you get that way with um, in, in your um, umpiring, um you know, that's pretty intense and you have to recognize that as well. So approachability um, is certainly very important. Um, a good appearance, looking the part. Uh, we've mentioned that many times on, on this podcast and previous podcasts that, um, you know, if you um, look sharp and look like you 
belong there, um, that certainly is going to help. If you're in good physical shape, uh, your uniform is, you know, in the kind of condition that uh, your assigners would expect, um, that certainly uh, helps you to um, look calm and look approachable and look like you know what you're doing, which hopefully you do anyway. All of these things should lead to our, our next important aspect of trying to earn respect is just having confidence. If you're doing all those other things, then you should feel confident that you belong where you're at and that um, you're doing um, a high-quality job, all right? So confidence also goes with um, your, your body language and stuff. And just knowing your fundamentals and um, knowing your rules and having good timing, uh, and the more you're able to do that and do the fundamentals, the more confidence that you're going to show um, to the coaches and to your partners as well. Another thing is uh, having, um, you know, a good background. Um, if you're a professional, if uh, you keep your nose clean and do things um, off the field that are what you're supposed to do, that's certainly going to um, have, you know, gain confidence with other people um, that they know that you're a high-quality person and that you can take care of the business that you need to. And then finally, this all goes down to um, game management. If you're doing those things that I've already mentioned, then you're going to manage, you know, big situations correctly. And um, that's going to, you know, earn respect from uh, coaches and players and your partners and then eventually your assigners that you can handle stressful situations and come out on top. So those are a few things to think about as far as uh, trying to earn respect um, as you're trying to move up. Let's talk about insurance, specifically insurance that covers you while you are umpiring or officiating other sports um, in case somebody decides to sue you. you know, a player gets injured, something strange happens, whatever it may be, are you covered? Usually, um, and you can look into this, um, most people's homeowners or renters insurance or something like that aren't going to cover uh, something that might happen on a playing field, all right? So you may be covered under some organizations um, if you work um, high school sports. For example, I know here in the state of Michigan that the MHSAA uh, covers officials uh, for a million-dollar policy per incident if someone were to sue them or something went wrong. That's only if you're working an MHSAA uh, contest. You know, you're umpiring a, a game with that, or even if you're working basketball, football, whatever you might be doing. And at least one school is an MHSAA uh, school. So that's great if you're working those high school sports um, uh, and you're covered there in case something goes wrong. What if you work um, out of that season? You know, you work for baseball, we're talking about it, of course, uh, like summer season. Are you covered there? Well, not through that MHSAA program. You'd have to have your own insurance. And like I say, it's likely not covered under your homeowners. I mean, you can check into that and see if you can make that happen. Um, there are some other insurance groups out there that might make coverage for this, but you really need to do this and protect yourself. I mean, hopefully you never use it. But if something were to happen, it's worth you know paying the money and making sure that happens. For a while, I had the ABUA 
Insurance, the Amateur Baseball Umpires Association. If you go to umpire.org, you can check out the information for them. And there you got to join there. And it's like, uh, I think it's like 55 bucks a year. And they give you a, a pretty good insurance program there, um, the basic membership anyway. Comprehensive $3 million liability coverage, $1 million per uh, occurrence, which could be three times in a year. I hope that you don't have that. With a $1,000 deductible, okay? They have things for like lost game fees, um, uh, insurance um, plan that covers you when you're working at, you know, amateur baseball and softball. This is just for baseball and softball. And it lasts like a year. So that's not bad. You can um, increase it to their like premium one that has like a, a zero deductible and things like that. But that costs like some more money. So they have another plan too. But the basic thing, 55 bucks, it's like, you know, you, you buy insurance for your car. You have to have a health insurance. Uh, you buy, you know, you have to have insurance on your your home or your apartment or whatever. You need to have insurance uh, when you're officiating too because... We live in a country that people like to sue people. So stuff happens. All right. So that's one option there that um, is pretty good um, and not too much, I guess, um, if that's the way you want to go. And that will cover you like during the summer or when you're working, if you work uh, college baseball, um, it'll cover you for that because there's nothing for that. I mean, if, you, if you're only a collegiate umpire, um, well, you're not covered. You know, if somebody wants to sue you or something, then you're kind of on your own. Of course, uh, a lot of you might be familiar with NASO. Now, NASO, the um, the you know the people that produce like Referee Magazine and everything, they have um, insurance too. If you subscribe to their magazine and go through there, you're covered. That's a little bit over a hundred dollars a year. I think it's around 110 or 20. But sometimes you can get a, a deal through certain organizations that you might know. So you might want to check into that and see. I know, for example, like NAIA. And I do NAI baseball, and um, you can get a deal if you aren't a national member um, after you register through NAI for a reduced price. Very good to do. Also, the magazine's really good. It's a lot of good stuff in there. Some of the th- ideas that they have in there I've used on this podcast, for example. All right. So um, the advantage, though, of NASA, even though it costs more than twice as much, I believe, is that you're protected for any sport that you work. So you know, I only work baseball. All right. But uh, if you work football and basketball and baseball, well, then it covers you for all those. Whereas the ABUA, it's only baseball and softball, okay? And um, they have a, a pretty good policy there as well. And the other advantage and thing I like is that if you become an assigner, like I have become, you're automatically covered there as well. They have a $100,000 coverage um, for assigners in case somebody you know, tries to, to sue you claiming that, uh, you know, you discriminated against him or her or, you know, those kind of things. And, and there's not many policies out there that uh, could do that. So if you're like in good faith and you're doing the things you're supposed to do, they're going to back you and cover you for that. So I really like that because there's some people out there that um, that you deal with as an assigner that are a little bit um, questionable at times as far as their motives and, and what they think. The um, ABUA doesn't have anything like that for the assigners. So the other thing, I mean, the, the insurance that NASA has for um, you as an official or an umpire or whatever you might be working is a uh, $6 million per occurrence liability insurance. Um, provides, you know, extra coverage for 
claims for bodily injury, uh, property damage, personal injury um, during your officiating activities, okay, including working games, um, you know, running or attending a camp, a clinic, um, and of course, you know, the assigning uh, stuff as well. So it, it's definitely more um, comprehensive insurance. But you know, the ABOA, if if all you've got is fifty-five bucks to do it, and you got some kind of coverage, you know, that that's certainly better than nothing. You n- need to have something. Um, you're really taking a chance nowadays because there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happen in all kinds of sports and, you know, they're going to sue you. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard things for MHSAA, you know, there's like, you know, a soccer game, for example, and somebody did like an illegal tackle thing. I'm not that familiar with soccer, soccer. And one of the players, you know, busted up his knee and everything. And the players are, or the parents are claiming that they're, son uh is you know was a college prospect now they can't do this and they're suing for all this money and everything and they're also suing the uh, referees and everything about because they should have called this or that and they're covered through the mhsa so if that were something that happened during the off season and not a high school sport um if you had nassau you'd be covered for that as well if you didn't you're all on your own and um i don't know about you but i only have so much i have you know my house and some other things just regular stuff and it wouldn't take too much, you know, to uh, to bankrupt me, I guess. So, you definitely don't want to play with that fire for sure. You want to definitely um, make sure that you're you're covered, and and that's a that's a worthwhile thing to do. So, look into those things if you want to look into your own insurance policies, and Google a few things and see what you um, can come up with. Um, if the, if you come up with something better, great. But all I'm saying is you should have something if you don't, and, and maintain it. All right. Um, I suggest the NASA. I like NASA. I think they do a good job with it. I like what they have and I, and I like getting the magazine and everything as well. And I think that's very interesting. So, um, that could be one of your new year's umpiring resolutions. Uh, if you don't is to uh, make sure that you get some, some form of insurance so that you are protected, um, in this crazy, you know, legal system that we live in. All right. So, Take a look into that stuff. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, for our umpire spotlights, uh, we've made it through all 10 current Hall of Fame uh, umpires. So now we have to move into uh, other avenues of umpiring and uh, take a look at maybe some umpires that um, might be on their way to a Hall of Fame. So for this episode's uh, Umpire Spotlight, we're going to look at Cowboy Joe West. If you're familiar at all with Major League umpires, uh, present-day Major League umpires, then you know Joe West. And um, you probably know that he, well, he's a controversial figure. Well, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um However, the thing I must um, mention, um, especially for those of you that think that he is not a good umpire, is that um, umpires, 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 
uh, know that Joe West is one of the best for sure. Um, you know, yeah, he's older now. He's not in the greatest shape. Um, and people look at that and think that he's not good or something. But uh, if uh, you talk to former pro umpires, and I've talked to um, guys that you know run the in instruction camps and things like that, and and Joe West is always in the right spot, and he's always where he needs to be to make calls, and um, he also is consistently uh, the best ball strike caller in the major leagues, uh, still is even at the age that he's at now. So um, yeah, he's done some you know things that are questionable uh, throughout his career. And uh, certainly has a personality that maybe rubs some people the wrong way. But um, he's earned everything that he, he's gotten and deserves to be where he's at. And he is on his way to the Hall of Fame, in, in my estimation. Well, Joe West uh, was born in 1952 in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, he played baseball and football when he was a kid. And he ended up being a football player at East Carolina University in 1970. He was actually a, um, a safety some people look at him now and wonder that. Anyway, the um, one of the football coaches uh, left after that season, so he transferred over to Elon College, um, which is now Elon University, and played there in the early 70s. He was um, a quarterback there, and they won three league championship series, NAI, you know, uh, conference uh, championships, sorry, and... Um, ended up losing in the national championship game his senior year, but he was um, a pretty darn good football player. Um, he wanted to play football and baseball while in college. However, with spring practices for football, they didn't really work out, and they probably weren't as flexible at that time as they might be nowadays. And uh, so he just decided to start umpiring. So he, um, while he was in college, he started umpiring high school baseball games, which is interesting because that's where a lot of us start, um, maybe even not even start there, maybe, you know, move up to that level. So, yeah, uh, he worked high school baseball games at some point. Anyway, so he's down there in the Carolinas, and, of course, there's a lot of minor league baseball down there. And uh, he um, ended up meeting Malcolm Sykes, who was the um, Carolina League umpire supervisor. And he had seen him work a little bit and suggested that uh, he go to umpire school. So he did, and uh, he ended up graduating at the top of his class <laughs> so obviously he got a job in the minor leagues and worked his way through the minor leagues in the western carolina league and then the puerto rican league and then the florida instructional league and the southern league and the american association and uh, finally um he made it to the major leagues uh, in 1976 he was a national league umpire and uh, he was up and down a little bit the, those couple years there and finally was a full-time NL staff member in 1978. West seems to have uh, an ability to um, be in the right place at the right time frequently. Well, sometimes he's in the wrong place at the right at the wrong time too, as far as controversy with with people. Not necessarily saying his umpiring skills, but um, in his first full season, um, he umpired the game that Willie McCovey hit his 500th career home run. In the same year, 1978. Um, he was at first base when Pete Rose tied the NL record for most consecutive games with a hit. You know, it's, I think it was a 44-game hitting streak. He was a plate umpire when Rose um, broke it the following day. Then in 1981, he worked first base for Nolan Ryan's fifth career no-hitter. Um, and that same year, in 81, Wes, who was 28 years old at the time, became the youngest NL umpire to call in a league championship series. In 83, um, 
He got suspended. Wes has been suspended a few times. He was suspended for three days and fined 500 bucks after a shoving incident with um, um, Atlanta Braves manager at that time, Joe Torrey. Um, Torrey became angry at the end of a game, and he followed Wes into the walkway outside the umpire's dressing room, and uh, Wes shoved him. And on appeal, um, NL president Chubb Fenney um, reduced his fine to 300 bucks, but, you know, Torrey also got a fine stemming from that. But, uh, you know, he's... As everybody knows, he's he's not a guy to shy away from things. He's not a guy to shy away from saying something, defending himself, doing whatever he's got to do, I guess. A few years later, he was the um, home plate umpire during the 88 playoff game uh, where Jay Howell got ejected. He ejected him um, for having pine tar in his glove. Then in 1990, um, he threw pitcher Dennis Cook to the ground while attempting to break up a fight during a big brawl. And... Um, um, you know, he ended up having a big to do with the uh, the league president at the time, um, Bill White. But that situation was eventually resolved. Uh, in 1999, he was one of the major league umpires that resigned uh, during the the mass resignation, you know, and, and labor dispute that the umpires had with MLB. Um, and luckily for him, he was rehired in 2002, and he's been working ever since. Um, since then. Um, he umpired um, the 2004 playoff game where the Red Sox, with the Red Sox and the Yankees, and his crew made the controversial, I guess, decision that um, police presence calmed down the crowd after you know a controversial call. He had some controversy in 2010 when he complained about the pace of a game between the Red Sox and the Yankees, and which you know is legitimate because when West came up in the in the later 70s. Game times were less than, you know, maybe two hours and 25 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes a game for a 9 major league game. And now they're well over three hours, you know, and as we know, sometimes they can go four easily, especially if there's some playoff. And, and um, the Red Sox and the Yankees are notorious for having long regular season games. So, you know, a lot of fans think that too, but um, that's just the way baseball has gone, I guess, since then. Anyway, he's worked other things too. Like he was, um, he was working the game that Albert Pujols hit his 400th career home run. Um, he's worked several, you know, games. Well, that had no hitters and stuff. He worked um, um, a 2012 perfect game by Felix Hernandez. Um, and you know, he's he's managed to become you know the longest uh, tenured umpire in Major League history um, right now. And he's closing in on Bill Clem probably within the next uh, year or so here of um, having the most games ever umpired um, by a major league umpire. Uh, if that's not a Hall of Fame umpire, I don't know what is. I mean, he's, you know, made mistakes and, and had things happen, but he's definitely been a survivor, a survivor as well. And that's why he's umpired uh, six World Series, three All-Star Games, ten League Championship Series, eight Division Series, two Wild Card Games. Um, he's the president of the World Umpire Association and um, helped them negotiate one of the biggest, um, you know, the biggest and best umpire contracts that they've ever had. And major league umpires are certainly treated much better nowadays than they have in the past. And, you know, you can give definitely some of that credit to Joe West. A lot of umpires know him for um, umpire equipment, uh, specifically the West Vest and some other equipment that he has patents for. Um, not just in the United States, but in like Australia, Canada, and Japan, everything. And of course, Wilson Sports uh, sells that now. Um, and that's the only um, high-end umpiring gear that the um, Major League Baseball endorses, though maybe they should consider some other things. Um, 
you know, he's also known as a like a country music star, I guess. Uh, certainly his umpiring has helped him to uh, to do that, but he's released some albums and stuff. That's why he gets the Cowboy Joe thing, you know, appeared on, at the Grand Ole Opry and, you know, served as a pallbearer for Boxcar Willie and, and performed with Merle Haggard and other people like that. So some people, you know, like his music, some people don't, but uh, he has a little bit of skill there and, and uh, certainly a personality to uh, to fit it. Anyway, that's uh, the Umpire Spotlight today. Joe West, uh, future Hall of Fame Major League umpire. Um, I, I'm sure soon after he uh, breaks the Bell Clems record for most games umpired, um, he'll probably be retiring, but you know he's sticking around to do that. So um, interesting person. Um, you know, There's only so many characters left in the game, and he's certainly one of them. I'd like to do a little segment on appearance. Now, we've talked about appearance as far as your physical fitness um, and how good a shape you're in, and that certainly is important. Um, The better shape you're in, uh, the more convincing you can become as an uh, official that you can do the job and be where you're supposed to be and that uh, you you know it shows that you take things seriously and take yourself seriously too because you're trying to be in as good a shape as possible. If you've got a big a big belly or something going out there, um, you might be a very good official and a good umpire and get calls better than most. But um, subconsciously, I think that that hurts you. Uh, but I'm not really talking about that so much today. I'm talking about things like beards and tattoos, which is very common in today's society, particularly for um, the little bit younger crowd. Um, You know, it used to be even when I was growing up that um, not many people had uh, tattoos. You know, maybe some sailors had tattoos. uh, Maybe, you know, some, you know, bikers had tattoos and different people like that. But now it's very common. All kinds of people, men and women, have tattoos. So that's kind of part of this uh, of the society. And, um, it certainly is something that um, umpires have as well. I mean, I, I know some umpires that have tattoos. Also, um, growing a beard is very popular right now. You know, it's kind of a trend right now. I'm sure that it'll come and go as as it does, you know, throughout the, the years. Uh, but uh, that is common as well. Now, you might see there's a, a couple of major league umpires that might have some facial hair here and there. But in general, they are clean shaven and their hair is fairly short and, um, you know, usually they don't have a big beard. But I've seen a couple instances where that's happened. Um, you know, uh, assigners and others and, and trainers of umpires um, might have different views on uh, facial hair and tattoos and what is um, expected. Um, some guys are a little more old school that are running things. Um do they have policies that say you can't have them? I haven't really seen anything, even in other sports, even in like the NBA, you don't really see that. You don't see people with beards and tattoos and stuff. There might be a couple guys, but I don't see guys with a whole bunch of tattoos all over their arms and stuff like that. Um, in the NHL, they always wear long sleeves anyway, so that's not as big a deal. You don't really see many. I can't say I noticed too many, uh, referees or linesmen with, um, beards. Um, I don't really watch too much soccer or football, if you want to call it that. Um, 
so I don't really know for sure there. NFL, um, you don't see it too much either. Usually guys are clean shaven. And um, I don't, I can't say I really noticed that many tattoos there as well. Um, but uh, it's definitely something that, you know, has to be considered now. But, you know, if you're a young umpire going into professional baseball and you have a bunch of tattoos, I mean, you got to get through the minor leagues in order to you know, make it to the major leagues. So I, I think the higher the level you go, the more, you know, people can make a bigger deal about it and it might separate you from getting a potential job or not getting it. Whereas lower levels, um, particularly let's say like JV baseball and below, you know, we need umpires. So if a guy has longer hair or if a guy has a beard or if a guy has a bunch of tattoos or something, if he can do the job, um, you can't really afford to discriminate against people doing that um, or having those kind of things, you know, as far as their appearance and everything. Um, you know, and there are, of course, coaches that have beards or, or tattoos as well. So that's part of it, you know, especially for the amateur youth type sports. Obviously, for professional sports, you see lots of guys with beards and uh, tattoos in, in all of the major sports. I mean, NBA, there's lots of guys that have that. I'm sure NFL does too. You don't always notice it as well because of their uh, helmets and uniforms and stuff. Uh, baseball, all kinds of beers going on there. Lots of tattoos as well. So that's definitely a more common thing. Um, when you uh, take a look at it. So, you know, more accepted as well. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, being an, uh, an assigner now, um, like on Arbiter Sports that I use primarily for assigning, you have profile pictures of umpires and, you know, more of like a headshot. But, you know, you'd notice if they have a beard. I wouldn't say I wouldn't uh, assign somebody that uh, that had a beard um, if they're a quality official. And we've had, I, I know a few high school umpires that have beards. Um but it seems like if you want to move up, usually you have to be kind of clean shaven and, and your hair a little bit shorter on the shorter side. Um, that seems to be the going way if you want to kind of, you know, fit in and, and uh, not stand out in a negative way. I guess that's always the thing. You want to stand out, but you don't want to stand out in some kind of negative way. So for some people, that can be negative. Um, I'm not judging one way or another. It's just something to think about. So if you're somebody that has tattoos or considering getting some, or you have a beard, or are considering growing one, know that um, it could be detrimental in some ways, um, potentially. Just kind of know who you have to deal with, I guess. Um, the lower the level you work, the less it's probably not going to be an impact. If you're working um, youth games during the summer or something like that, I mean, they're just looking for guys that have a clue what they're doing half the time, so probably not as big a deal. But if you're looking to maybe get into higher level, uh, you know, high school officiating, definitely collegiate officiating, obviously pro officiating, um, those things definitely make more of a difference. So definitely something to consider um, moving forward. Well, we've reached the end of another episode of the Hammer and Umpire podcast. And as I always do, I thank you very much for sticking with me until the end. I know that's not always the case with every podcast. Uh, I, you know, I do a little research here and there, and I know that people don't always listen to the entire podcast. I do. When I listen to podcasts, I listen to the whole thing. I'm kind of a completist. I, I want to 
If I start something, I want to finish it, unless it's really awful. But I know that some people might just kind of skip around. Maybe they, one of the topics, you know, that I mentioned they thought was interesting, so they kind of skip to that and just listen to that. And that's fine. Hey, you know, it's better than nothing, right? Um, of course, I've been pretty happy with how this podcast has been turning out so far. Um, I still have to work on getting some guests on. It's been a little tight time lately to do that with the holidays and stuff. But as we move into the new year, I, I hope that I'll have a little bit more ability to do that and get a few um, guest spots on here. Okay, so if you're looking for that, I, I am working on that. Um, you know, with everything else going on in life, I've got that on my agenda. Um, of course, you know, most of our listeners, 96% of our listeners are in the United States. And we have listeners all over the country, which is great. Um, but we have listeners in Canada, particularly in the like Montreal, Toronto area, but also out in Vancouver. Um, I've got some listeners now from Australia. And as I said before, we had listeners in New Zealand, Indonesia, and Slovakia, which is crazy if you ask me. <laughs> Somebody's in Slovakia. Um, you know, most of most of the states uh, in the United States are listening to us. Um, we might almost have all 50 at this point, um, at least had a couple listeners here and there. Um, we're on a variety of platforms now, uh, whatever might work for you. Uh, it, you know, I know you have a, a you know, basically the, the one that you like, but, you know, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, we're on that. Spotify, that's a, you know, popular one. Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn, um, and, and I know that it works real well on the Alexa. So if you have an Alexa device, um, you can just ask it to play the Hammer and Umpire podcast on, on TuneIn or Apple Podcasts or whatever you like, um, and it will do it. So that's kind of nice, and it usually it will pick up, you know, if you have it stop, it will pick up where you left off. It does it on other podcasts too, you know, in case you like to listen to other stuff as well. So it's been it's been a good run so far, and and uh, like I've said before, I, I plan to keep this thing going. I mean, I've almost got a you know a thousand total plays at, at this point, and uh, I, I have a fairly consistent audience, and that makes makes it worthwhile for me to do this. You know, if nobody was listening, what's the point, right? So um, I'm trying to get better at it. Hopefully, you know, you think I've gotten a little bit better, and I try to pick some timely topics and some things that are you know, maybe interesting to some people. And of course, I learned some stuff as well as I do it, you know, because um, I got to do a little research on it. So I figured a few things out along the line myself. So um, I hope that you've enjoyed it so far. Feel free to uh, uh, contact me uh, via Twitter or, or email. I'm at, my Twitter is at Kevin R. Weber, 1B and Weber. And my email is spinalfusion06 at yahoo.com. And, I, of course, check out the Facebook page. I do have, uh, you know, the Hammer Podcast um, Facebook page, which a lot of people have joined, and uh, you can certainly con contact me through that as well. So um, hopefully we'll have bigger and better things coming in 2020, and uh, hopefully I'm giving you a few ideas to um, help improve your game and, and get you thinking about things here in the off season for most of us, unless you live in a warm climate. And uh, I'll be bringing you a show uh, early on in the new year. Until then, keep calling strikes.